I'll try not to take too much of your time up today because I'm sure you'll want to get off to do whatever you might do on Mother's Day. But there's um, an important uh, few things I do want to say, some acknowledgements that I want to say regarding Mother's Day. My first acknowledgement is that Mother's Day isn't always easy for everyone. And we need to acknowledge this because for some, perhaps their mother has passed away and it might be the first Mother's Day without them. For others, the experience of their mother may not have been edifying or enriching, may have been tough. And for others, it's hard because being a birth mother hasn't been a possibility. So as we talk about Mother's Day, I want to be upfront in saying that we celebrate this in a way that honours all mothers because we've all had a mother. But it also honours the many aunties, sisters, the mother figures that have helped shape our lives. I, I count myself blessed because of the family that I grew up in. <clears throat> My mum was the taxi for me, and she would take me wherever I needed to be, and I needed to be in a lot of places because so I played footy and baseball and tennis and whatever else I could get myself into. She was always involved in those things as well. Mum would be the, um, the, the footy um, manager, She'd always be the scorer for whatever sports we went into, and she was just number one supporter. She even organised for a bunch of 15 or under 15-year-olds to go on the Able Tasman to get across to Tasmania um, to play footy against the Tasmanian teams. A bad idea having 22 under 15-year-olds to be in charge of, but we survived. Yeah, we all survived. We all survived. The boat didn't survive as well, but we survived. We survived. But that was mum. She would just give herself for me and my brother all the time, and I valued that so much. My mum had patience beyond patience with me. When I had it in mind to do something, I really wanted to do it, and it was against mum's wills, she wouldn't get angry with me. She'd just stand her ground and say, no, Pete, no. She just led us beautifully well as a mother. And while there were times as a kid I didn't understand that that was what she was doing, I respect it now. I also had a really good friend who introduced me to Christ. Our families knew each other through primary school. I went through primary school with this mate, Paulie, for, since, from prep to grade 10, I think we are in the same classes. So we knew each other really well. He was very influential on my faith journey. He was the one that, that taught me a lot about who Jesus was through how he acted, but also through his words. Paulie's mum, Michelle, she was like a mum to me as well. She was like a mum to me. I'd often be at Paulie's house and I'd be invited to dinner. I'd sleep over and that's when they'd take me to church. Paulie's mum was like a mum to me. Not diminishing my own mum, because my mum was amazing. But she was like a mum to me. She was my spiritual mum, I suppose. And as I became a believer in Christ, she would make sure that, regardless of what was going on in their lives, Michelle would make sure that I got to basketball trainings that I got to church camps, that I'd never be left out of anything that could help me become a greater disciple of Christ. I could truly say she was like a mum to me. It's a funny sort of saying, like a mum. But it's a saying that maybe you have sensed in your life. Can you pinpoint someone in your life, either in your past or even in your present, who is like a mum to you? 
Even if you've got the best relationship with your mum that you could ever have, there may have been someone who is like a mum for you, has nurtured you, has helped you, has taken you under their wing in that way. Perhaps you've been that person yourself. When you've taken someone who hasn't had a mother figure in their life and become that mother figure for them. Or you're an auntie who just loves on their nephews and nieces so much that they can't wait to see you and the excitement builds. I wonder if you've ever had that someone who is like a mum to you. Maybe something a little challenging for you now. If you have a like a mum person and they're still with us, alive, and you've got a phone, I want you to get your phone out and message that person now. Don't be afraid. You can take your phone out. I'll let you this time. And if you write notes on your phone, that's okay as well. If you've got someone like a, phone, like a, like a mum, message them now. Because on Mother's Day, we don't message the like a, like a, a mum people. I should get Michelle's phone number out and do that. I'll do that after our service, so it's not sort of weird. But message them now. I'll trust that you're still listening. <laughs> I'm expecting to hear buzzes of phones. <laughs> Say thanks for what they've done for you in, in your life. So as we think about these women who are like a mum to us, we're going to turn to Scripture and look at a woman who made a massive impact on Paul. Paul from the Bible. There's a touching moment in Paul's tributes in Romans 16 that if you, if you blink or if you flip through it too quickly, you're going to miss this. So we're, we're, going, to, we're going to take a little bit of time just to, just to see it. And let me read it to you. It's from Romans 16, verse 13. So if you're finished texting or if you're still texting, don't worry, you can keep texting. But if you've, uh, if you've got your Bibles you want to open, just Romans 16, verse 13, it says this. It says, Greet Rufus. Not enough Rufuses in our world today. Greet Rufus. Chosen in the Lord and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Paul's sending his personal greeting to his friends, to Rufus and his other friends in Rome. He says effectively, say hi to Rufus, but don't forget to say hi to his mum, because she was like a mum to me. So the first question we probably need to ask is, who on earth is Rufus? Does anyone know who Rufus is? No? No. Well, Rufus, you'll know, you'll, you'll know him at some, some, some stage. He was the son of Simon of Cyrene. Does it, do we know who Simon of Cyrene is? Think of a cross. Think of walking with Jesus. He carried the cross of Christ, the last leg of that painful Good Friday journey. And Mark 15, 21 tells us, A certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing on by passing by on his way from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. Scholars are uncertain why Mark needs to add the sons into, uh, into Simon's account, because they're not prevalent. They're not a whole lot in the Bible. We don't hear of, of who was it, Alexander anymore. We don't hear Alexander in the Bible, but we hear Rufus again. Simon's stardom, Simon's uh, all that he is comes from where he was from, Simon of Cyrene. And the other two gospel writers, um, Matthew and Luke, don't use the names of the children. But for some reason, Mark decides, I'm going to add the kids' names in. Maybe they were there that day. Maybe they were watching by. Maybe they sort of stood by Dad and go, Daddy, you're all right. That looks heavy, that cross. <laughs> but we have this verse that tells us that 
Rufus is now Paul's friend. I want us to use our imaginations for a short while today, trying to imagine this unwritten story of Simon of Cyrene with his sons Alexander and Rufus and his wife we don't hear a name of, just the days after Simon carried this cross for Jesus up the hill. Each of the writers of the gospel, except for John, Matthew, Mark and Luke, mentioned Simon. He was known, this distinguishing marker here that I said, was he was from Cyrene. Yet here they are, they're marked in the Bible for eternity. Just imagine how many people were around that day, that Good Friday. Imagine the crowds that would have gathered. Imagine the people yelling things out. I'm sure there was people that were really important that were there. Yet it is Simon and his children who get mentioned in the scripture, who get mentioned in the book that has lasted the last 2,000 years and will continue to do so. Maybe, maybe it's a sign uh, that he was well-known. Maybe, they, Rufus, uh, maybe uh, Simon was a well-known type of person. Perhaps Simon was so well-known that Paul got to know the family in some way when he was converted. Perhaps that's how Rufus and Paul became friends. You can imagine maybe Paul sat with Rufus and asked the question about, what did you see that day? Or what did your dad see from his vantage point walking along the road with Jesus? I can imagine that Simon would have gone home after carrying this cross. I can imagine him going home just totally exhausted from the journey. But I'm sure there was a sense of sadness as well. I can imagine him sitting down with his family, his wife and his two young kids, explaining, they called me out of the crowd. They made me take up his cross. It was heavy. It was more heavier than I could imagine. The weight was so heavy. Maybe it was the weight of responsibility. This Jesus who had been called the Son of God, being taken to be killed. I can imagine Simon sharing with his wife the difference that he saw in Jesus, being that close to him, seeing him in all his pain, yet not fearful. He was a man that had just been unjustly punished. Perhaps Simon felt that weight as well. Whatever Simon said around the table that night, and for every other night after, the experience of carrying that cross made a drastic impact on him. Because the power of that moment filtered down to his wife and his kids, who became a part of this early group of believers and church planters. Whatever went on from that moment with Simon also made a mark on Paul. And I don't know if we have the insight or the imagination to consider Paul coming across Simon and his wife one day and Paul getting to know Rufus and then becoming friends, them exchanging conversations, Paul having a meal in their house, Paul finding refuge with Rufus and his family. And Rufus's mother, caring for him in his greatest times of need. Might have happened, might not. But what we know is that 
Rufus and his mother were close to Paul. That Rufus was like a mother to him. This, this great apostle Paul. She was like a mother to him. Whatever that meant for Paul, we should be thankful for her input into his life. It would have been easy for her not to be a mother to Paul or to Saul, this ruthless Christian slayer turned missionary. It would have been easy to protect her family from potential problems. What if he turns back to his old ways? Yet whatever she did, she accepted Paul. Paul saw her as a mother figure. We don't even know her name. We don't know much about Paul's mother either. There's a fair bit of writing about it, but we don't know a whole lot. I'd love to think that, that Paul's mother went on to, to love Jesus in the same way that Paul did. But Paul was a strict Jew. Would have been brought up in this strict Jewish sort of um, place. And maybe Paul's conversion wouldn't have been to the liking or the appealingness of his mother. Perhaps, perhaps he saw something in Rufus's mother. Something that was totally different, totally opposite. Perhaps he saw Jesus in and through Rufus's mother that he may not have seen in his own mother. All speculation. But if we look into the scripture a little further, perhaps this happened because Paul tells us she was like a mother to me. This small verse about a nameless mother perhaps is a verse that should encourage us all in the way that we live and the way that we give of ourselves to others because we'll never know what impact that might have on the kingdom. But it made me wonder, what were the qualities that Paul saw in Rufus's mother to make him say, he, that she was like a mother to you. I've got, I started to think about this and, and, and I could have gone on for the next two hours, but I thought I'd probably better to bring it down to, to a couple. So I've, I've, I've put out three qualities that may have been what Paul might have seen. And amongst the myriad of verses, I could have chosen heaps, but three stood out as qualities of mothers or women that are worth pursuing. The first one was that God designed mothers to give life. Now, I know not all women are able to have children, and that's really hard. And it's hard to reconcile when we believe in a loving God who wants the best for each of us. It's hard. But the fact remains that God created women to be the bearers of life. That's how our bodies are designed. But a mother is more than just a life giver in a practical sense. A Christian mother has the role of bringing life in Christ to her children, to her nieces and nephews to the friends of her children. The role of a mother and of a father is vital in the spiritual development and formation of our children. It's not up to Jordan as our youth pastor. It's not up to, um, it's not up to Melissa as our children's pastor to just input into our children's lives. It's up to each of us. Each of us has a role in the church and beyond the church to nurture our children for Christ. I wonder how many times Paul sat at the table with Rufus and his mother. I wonder if he started hearing about how Rufus' mother had been impacted by Jesus. I wonder if some of his understanding of Christ was based around that table talk with Rufus' mother. 
Michelle, my mate's uh, mum. She, she, she showed me this in very tangible ways. She would always feed me. She'd always make sure I got to places. She would care for me in a way that showed the gentleness of God to his people. I learnt about Christ through her. All that I heard from the gospel that was shared with me, I saw it lived out in Michelle. I saw a mother who loved God in such a way that it showed in every interaction with me and as I watched her interact with others. She was like a mother to me that showed me Christ. There's a step that each of us have to take in this. And for order for us to give life, we first must know what life means to us, what that life is that we can offer others. And in 2 Corinthians 5, it gives us insight into who we are in Christ and who we are to be in Christ. And it says this, verse 17, uh, onwards to 21, if you've got your scriptures, uh, flick over to it now. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled, brought us back to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation to bring others to Christ. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sin against them. And he's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Verse 21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do we know that? Do we believe that? Because when we do, we will display that to the others that are around us, to our friends, to our children, to strangers that we meet on the streets. We are that new creation. We are that workmanship, God's workmanship. Today it's Mother's Day. It's your day, mums, and you deserve it. For aunties, sisters, all women, you're celebrated today because you are God's ambassadors and you need to be acknowledged. Being a mother figure means being a life giver. Bring lives, uh, life to those you have influence over. The second thing about motherhood is God designed mothers to give of themselves. Earlier I said that I was truly blessed by my mum, uh, by having my mum as mum. She gave herself uh, of herself sacrificially over and over and over. She epitomised Christ's servant nature. And I was able to gain a, a, a little bit, or I hope I do, <laughs> a little bit of her selfless care. See, a motherly love for others is a, a selfless love. It's a love that's willing to have a hot cup of tea go cold so you can cut out copious amounts of small trees that your four-year-old has drawn uh, the night before. <laughs> for a mum of a small kid, the selflessness is, is got to be judged on how many times you have to reheat your cup of tea. Is that right? <laughs> but it goes beyond just material things. It's giving of your time as you listen, as you read, with your kids, as you help with the homework, as you shop with them, take them to sporting engagements. It's the sacrificing of your own time to make sure that your time of your children or the, the wants of your children are met. And that's not just mums, that's all. 
I wonder, do we have that giving of others attitude, the self-sacrificial attitude? The third thing is God designed mothers to forgive. I see this in my family, the nucleus of our family. One of our keys as a family is making sure we have the ability to say sorry to one another. And whilst it's sometimes not that easy to say sorry, especially if you felt wrong yourself, knowing that forgiveness will come makes it much easier. That's why we can come to God with anything. Because we know that he will forgive. As a mum, Solari models this well. If the kids have done something wrong and they need to say sorry to mum, They'll always get a massive hug from Solari and then I forgive you all the time. It's lovely watching Tarquin sort of come up to mummy now and tower over her and say, sorry mum. <laughs> Won't be long till Jasper's there as well. <laughs> it always happens. There's nothing the kids could do to change that in our family. It's that forgiveness that models to our children Christ's forgiveness for us. And when the kids have friends around, we still do the same. We have to. We have to show them who Christ is. Ephesians 3.42 says, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. We've had it modelled to us by our Heavenly Father. May we model it to our children and our children's mates and our children's children. Once again, a mother's forgiveness stems from Christ and the forgiveness we as humans have received. You know, I could keep going. I could go on for ages about different attributes of, mother, attributes of mothers that I've seen in my mum, in the mum that was like a mum to me, in my wife. But I want to finish by acknowledging that mums, aunts, sisters... You do a great job. It's a job worth replicating. It's a job that leaves a legacy in the children of this church, whether they're your children or not. On Friday, we, we attended a, a really tough funeral, Solari's cousin's funeral. And she was a wonderful human, struck down too early. But as we listened to the eulogies that were given, one of the key words that came out clearly was that this cousin left a legacy, a lasting legacy, all that she rubbed shoulders with. It was a lasting legacy. And I can imagine it in her. She was that sort of a person. You know, a legacy, uh, a mother's legacy, you almost can't trace it, though. You almost can't sort of pinpoint where the legacy sort of comes and where it, where it, how far it goes. Because a legacy goes from one person, and that legacy then flows on to the next person, and that legacy flows on to the next person. We just don't know how wide that legacy goes. Um, Solari heard a great definition she shared with me yesterday. She said, a legacy is not leaving something for people. It's leaving something in people. Mothers, aunties, sisters, daughters, you have the opportunity to leave a lasting legacy within the kids that are around you, within your own kids, within the, the friends of the, the teammates of your kids' basketball team within your grandchildren, within your great-grandchildren, you have that opportunity. A legacy that shares the journey of Christ. 
a legacy that teaches selflessness and a legacy of forgiveness. Mothers, well done. We do applaud you. Let me pray. Now, Lord and God, we give you thanks for your word and for that obscure little verse that teaches us so much about motherhood. Lord, I wish I could be a fly on the wall knowing all the conversations that Paul had with Rufus's mum. But Lord, I pray for all of us, not just mothers now, but all of us who are here today, who are on our screens, that we may be people of Christ who leave a lasting legacy in the generations below us. That Lord, as we walk through the foyer of the church, we may make a smile to someone younger than us. That we may tell a story of hope. That we may be Christ to those people who don't know him. So God, today we do praise you for our mothers. We lift them to you. And we thank you that you are sovereign. Amen.